Hi, you are listening to The Floating Point on Rave Pubs Radio. I am your host, Hope Roth, coming to you from an undisclosed location somewhere between a job site and my house. We're here this month with Jake Corlett from Biamp, here to talk to us about all of the ways that we AV programmers manage to, uh, to, to flub that connection in with the DSP. Unfortunately, Chris Tatton is not able to uh, join us this month. He is working, apparently, so, um, so you're stuck with me, but, but luckily you've got Jake to, to bring you along, and I would be remiss if I did not thank our sponsor, Ingram Micro, for all of your AV IT needs. Check out Ingram Micro. Uh, Jake, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Congratulations. You are our first non-AV programmer on AV Power or P Power Up. <laughs> the floating point. Oh, I'm just getting this. I'm just getting nostalgic. I'm getting nostalgic. AV Power Up has everybody on. Um, but I, I wanted to have you on the show because you know, Biamp is an open architecture. Most of the big control systems out there um, are open architectures. So, you know, funny things happen when you get the type A personalities that are programmers having to work together, come up with a framework. So, so I thought, you know, let's talk about how it works, the things that, that we found that have worked well in the past, and, and maybe you can teach us a thing or two yeah. about how to talk to Biamp. With great power comes great responsibility, as they say. Exactly. <laughs> as I said today, the question is not, can I do it? The question is, should I do it? <laughs> that is always the question. So, so usually I ask people to, to tell us how they got into AV programming, but you are not an AV programmer. So I would just say, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do at Biamp, and, and how you found the AV industry. Well, I'm a rarity in the AV industry uh, because I'm a musician. <laughs> um, so I got into the, uh, well, I'm a drummer by trade, uh, not professionally, obviously, but uh, I got deemed the guy to do the four track recordings in the basement, right? So that uh, started my involvement with audio and I pursued it actually at a collegiate level. I went to uh, Columbia College in Chicago and uh, have a degree in audio engineering and acoustics. So. From there, um, the natural progression is to go work for an integrator or become a recording engineer. And I wanted to make more than you know eight dollars an hour, so um, did some integration for. Um, I worked at integrators for probably ten plus years, and then came over to Biamp um, to sort of be the technical sales liaison for uh, for part of the country here at the plant. So I've been with Biamp for uh, six years now. So that's sort of me, me in a nutshell, but um, you know, Audio Engineering Society member, I, I'm an adjunct instructor for Infocom International. Um, so I, I kind of wear a lot of hats, but uh, I like to, you know, like to keep active in the environment and the community, so. There you go. Is, is this the part where I make drummer jokes? Because I am also a <sighs> failed, I am also a failed musician. I, we're like the only two in this whole industry. I think. <laughs> it's amazing. We're on the same podcast together. Uh, and and <laughs> when I when I was still playing out, if uh, I had a I had a guitarist who was a little bit of a diva when it came to, to tuning, and and while we waited, I would tell drummer jokes. So <laughs> I, I I think don't think there's one I haven't heard at this point. Yeah. I've been learning some good guitar jokes. So I'll have to share, share those with There you go. Well, the lead singer jokes. There's only a couple of those. <laughs> least, but I don't know. But, well, well, here's one that here's one that'll tie in to you coming into the industry. What's the difference between a drummer and a large pizza? I don't know. 
a large pizza can feed a family of four. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was terrible. I'm sorry. All right. So anyways, open architecture. For those of you who don't know what open architecture means, it basically means a system that is a blank slate. You can kind of do whatever you want with it, which is amazing because you can make all sorts of fun things happen. But it also means that um, there's all sorts of places where it could go wrong. Um, and and Biamp and and I'm I'm mostly a Crestron programmer, but I program all sorts of things. And and Biamp and Crestron, you know, you have to program on both sides. So the Biamp file has to be correct. The Crestron file has to be correct. And often, what ends up happening is is if it's two different people that made the two different files, they'll point at each other until you figure out. Uh, and it happens with other systems too. I was working mm-hmm. today with an AMX system that talked to my Crestron system that had to talk to a Pharos lighting control system. So. Ooh. So the, the control yeah. passes the control passes all over our industry. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean you know, the, the, the biggest flub with the, I guess, the interaction between a control system and the DSP, believe it or not, is usually clerical. People, um, audio guys have a very bad tendency of not labeling things properly so that the control system program can actually take that information and do something with it, you, you know, do something useful with it in, in their world. So, um you know, there are tools, obviously, and, and not only ours, but other platforms where now you can just export all that data into some sort of Excel sheet or, you know, whatever, and hand it to the control system programmer, and hopefully that's what they're, they're looking for. But that's, that's one of the main hangups just from, a, you know, how do you, how do you make these two, these two entities talk nicely together? And it's really just uh, maintenance of the file, so... Even just the difference between I'm a, I'm a low caps kind of a gal and the AMX programmer was definitely a caps attack kind of a guy. <laughs> and so he sent his strings in and I was like, why are you shouting at me? <laughs> <laughs> and then my system didn't understand it because I had programmed it to look for, low, for uh, all lowercase. So, so those control strings are very important. Co- co- copying and pasting directly from what they send you is often the best way to go and you have to hope that they typed it in right. Yeah. Um, this this is where I would plug for all you DSP programmers out there to use instance tags and Absolutely. not the IDs. And maybe Jay can tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> again, uh, speaking for in Biamp's world, once you create a block in our software, um, the compiler, our compiling engine, actually associates an, an instance uh, ID to that block. Well, if you should need to change that block, uh, delete it, you know, move it around or whatever, um, that instance ID could be lost. So if you're using tags and your tam- tagging scheme is consistent, then you can obviously rename a new t- or retag a new block uh, with the same tag you used previously, and, and all things will work just fine. So, yeah, um, we I think by default we actually uh, in our newer products, our Casero line, we actually give you an instance tag, default instance tag right out of the gate too. So um, you don't have to ma- before you had to manually enter those yourselves, but now we we give defaults for those too. So um, yeah, that's a that's a great point. We I can't tell you how many times I've gotten a call saying, hey, uh, you know, we manipulated the file and now we can't control you know the level control, um, you know, the volume control for the, the room or whatever. Like okay, well, what'd you do? And you know, sure enough, they deleted the block without having a, a instance uh, tag there instead of an ID. So, yeah, that's a that's a good good note. One of the other things I found with subscriptions, and I don't I don't know if this is still true, because I'm now I'm now writing a lot of my own DSP files. I work for a smaller company now. We kind of we have a lot of hats. Um, 
but I, I know that if you had tags that you were trying to subscribe to before and then somebody went in and got a little OCD and cleaned stuff up that wasn't being used anymore, that that would fail and that you would lose some of your uh, subscriptions. Is that still the case? Uh, I think it is currently. I know there's been some work going on with subscriptions in, in Tessera. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, uh, you know, Tessera was the first product that actually offered subscriptions in as well. So. Um, so I know there's been some changes and some thought about how we changes, uh, change things uh, with subscriptions, but, uh, and, and actually widening the breadth of subscriptions that you can actually, uh, or blocks you can subscribe to in, in the software as well. Uh, but that very well may be the case. There are certain instances that will, uh, you know, restart the subscriptions or initiate the subscriptions, uh, you know, if you load a file or, you know, repower cycle, those sorts of things. But, um, yeah, if, if the subscription is calling for something that's gone, it probably would fail. So that, there's another plug to, to work very carefully with UDSP programmer and to, 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 you both have to clean up your stuff at the same time, basically. <laughs> but but I, I, will, I will say that I do love the, the Tessera line of products. I think you guys have done a great job in, in improving your, your product line over the year and that subscriptions are quite lovely. So. Oh, thank you. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're always looking for unsolicited feed, feedback or solicited feedback, I guess, in this case, since I just said it. But, uh, yeah, anything, uh, you know, uh, from the control system side that we can do to, to help uh, bolster our offering, certainly we, we love to hear that stuff. So, um, uh, yeah, so, you know, get a hold of your local person or, you know, you can reach me at, uh, I guess I'll give my contact information later. Yeah, and we can we can add it at the bottom of the, this will go up oh, cool. in the post. We'll, we can add it at the bottom of the post, but. Awesome. Yeah, so it's always it's always good. I guess so. My, that would be pro tip number three. Pro tip number one: instance tags. Pro tip number two: um, what was pro tip number two? Uh, labeling. Labeling. Yeah. Oh yeah, copy paste. Don't don't shout in all caps. And pro tip number three okay. is make make good friends with your DSP programmer. Absolutely, absolutely. So. Um, do you find that you guys get a lot of service calls for things where the, the, the BIAMP stuff uh, is actually working fine and it's actually, you know, the control system issue? Oh, man, you're putting me on the spot with that one. Oh, um, I you, can, can you can plead the fifth. That's okay. Uh, no, I'll say um, there are two instances where we got a lot of calls about our product not working properly. Oh, can I guess? Can I guess? Sorry, yeah, sure. Can mm -hmm. I guess? Do, would one of them happen to be related to a, a bad database update from a major manufacturer in the um, last two weeks? Well, uh, not that I'm not that I'm aware of, but uh, I'll tell you the second one after I tell you the first one. But the first one would, pro would be <clears throat> the the control system is not programmed right, or they're you know, or they're expecting something that we're not going to give. Um, you know, our syntax varies from you know, it just differs from others, right? So they may be used to one. Uh, you know, one, one form of communication when we offer something else. But the other one was going to be phone-related, um, uh, voice over IP-related. So um, we get a lot of calls about that. And, tech, you know, it turns out there's a click a checkbox somewhere way deep in a menu, you know, um, that just needed to be checked from IT and everything works perfectly. So um, those are the two instances, I'd say. There you go. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's pretty endemic to our whole industry is that often your problem is actually somebody else's and it's, <laughs> it's your job to either fix, it's your job to either fix it on your end or, or prove that somebody else needs to Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, I mean it's, it's infallible, right? but you know, for the most part, 
we, we we have seen a lot of that in the past, but um, again, a part of that's education, and that's part of what you know what we're tasked to do out in the field is to make sure people are comfortable um, programming with, uh, with our stuff. So, um, yeah. So. One of the one of the things that I have I have found that that makes it a, a pretty smooth process is is to have a framework in place. So, you know, when I when I when I had the luxury of not writing my own DSP files you know, often they would send me the biamp file to look at and I would say, can you just send me the, t just tell me what the tags are, you know, <laughs> which preset numbers are you using? When do you want me to call them? And then what are, what are your fader tags? And that's really all I care about. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure your biamp file is lovely, but I just need your tags. <laughs> I'm sure it's pretty. All the colors are nice. So yeah, I get it. They're all OCD like me. So everything lined up, but yeah, sure. Yeah, another another thing to take into consideration when you're putting together a, you know a file in an open architecture DSP is um, you know just make sure you're controlling things at the right spots. I mean, there's a again, uh, great power comes great responsibility. You can control a lot of things uh, in, in in our syntax. So if you you want to control the you know you know the um, uh, the input gain at the pre uh, preamp stage, you can do that, but that's not what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, so, you know, just, make, just making sure that um, there's clear communication on where the control needs to be in the file is, uh, is also a big thing, too. Because um, that leads to poor game structure, and to be honest, poor, poor game structure is the number one problem in open architecture DSP, or probably any DSP. So, um, without proper game structure, you, you, you just set up yourself for failure throughout the entire system, especially in conferencing. Yeah, yeah, the, room's, the room sounds terrible. But instead of moving the microphone, they're like, yeah, we'll just boost it up right here and then we'll add a filter and, and then just everything goes haywire from there. And then there. Yeah. Um, here, and here's, a, here's another pro tip to really give great power and great responsibility. Biomp has a great tool on their website that's actually a control string builder. So you can say what you want to do, where you want to do it, what the tag is, and it'll give you, the, it'll spit out the whole thing that you can just copy and paste right in your code. Yeah, that'll, that'll get you in trouble real quick. <laughs> uh, again, you know, I hate to hate to keep the theme going, but yeah, I mean, use it, use it, use it with uh, you know best intentions in mind. It's not going to get you all the way there, but it's a it's a it's a base to get you started. So yeah, I mean, and and really, the best thing to do is probably to have presets and to set those up properly. But sometimes you just need to make a something do something, and and that's a great way to do it. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, so I, yeah, so I guess that's how we, that's how we talk to each other. We, we set a framework, we stick to it, we use tags, we copy and paste, we keep our caps lock off. That's just for me because I'm OCD. Um, and then hopefully everything works. Um, I think it definitely is hard because you need to have, you know, to have a really great system, you need a good DSP programmer, you need to have a good control systems programmer, and, you know, you may be able to co compensate a little bit on one side or the other, but if, if somebody's not pulling their weight, I think that's where you really can end up having some problems. Yeah, and most of the time on a project, those are not the same people, right? I mean, um, I think you'd find it pretty rare in any organization today where the control system programmer is the DSP programmer. Um, just two totally different mindsets, right? You've got um, a control system programmer who's very data-driven, uh, they have, you know, like you said, gotta have all lowercase or whatever, and the audio guy's there to, to make the thing sound good, and, you know, uh, why he's got the science background, he wants to put a little pizzazz in there, he wants to add the artiste's touch, so, 
Yeah, I mean, so by, by nature, they're two different, to totally different ways of thinking uh, on the gate. So um, it's interesting to see those those two interact. Um, um, when you get a good team, and everything is just fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's always funny to see that negotiation too, especially if you got two programmers on site. Like, either 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 you're both shouting ideas out at once, or or you're both trying to make the other person come up with something. <laughs> I, I do I get that a lot because I also do a lot of lighting these days. So then we're working with the AV programmer, so I'm like a third level on top of the system, and uh, it's like okay, I'm just going to do my stuff, and then I'll send you a file that you can import and make it all work. But um, it's always a, it's always a good time when you get people who like to control things trying to work with each other. <laughs> is that is controlling uh, lighting um, harder, easier, the same as controlling I, that that world uh, the lighting world is totally um, uh, new. You know, I have no no experience in that, that field whatsoever. Is that uh, that the case? Or that's a great question. Um, I, I, it's very different. You're, you're replacing pretty much the most simple way of connecting with a system possible, which is the humble light switch, which has worked pretty good for people for a very long time. So you have to actually take a very complicated system and simplify it down. Actually not that different from, from interacting with a biome system where you figure out, okay, these are, this is the bare minimum of control points that I need and this is how I'm going to connect into you and make it all work. Um, so it's a great way of thinking. I've learned a lot from working with people who focus on lighting. Um, my company does other AV as well. We're a residential dealer and we do a lot of um, hospitality as well. So that's why we do a lot with Biamp um, in, in sort of the hotel restaurant kind of world. Um, and I feel like it's actually made me a much better programmer to have to think about a system because AV programmers can kind of overcomplicate things. Um, and like we said at the beginning of the show, just because you can doesn't necessarily mean that you should. So, so you kind of you kind of teach yourself to out of bad habits when you have to when you have to make things as simple as a light switch. Yeah, the, the, the control systems programmer is there to make the DSP as simple as a light switch, right? So there you go. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's interesting. <clears throat> sound goes on, sound goes off, sound goes up, sound goes down, room <laughs> combines, room divides. Mm -hmm. if, you right. do any, if you try to do anything more than that on the control system side, then you're probably not doing it right. Yeah. So, um, what, you know, if you had a room full of, of Crestron programmers, AMX programmers, I don't know, Extron programmers, QSC programmers, who else has, everyone has a control system now. Um, uh, what would you say to them? Oh, great question. Um, so I, I guess my, my, my one thing, again, I hate to stick on game structure, but it would be no matter what you're controlling in the file, please mind the work that your, your programmer, your, your DSP programmer has done with, the, with their game structure and just make sure you're controlling uh, the file in the proper places. Um, again, one little fader, you know, if you're controlling the wrong place, one little you know, fader move can, can, you know, rob the AEC reference of its signal or put too much into it and that'll cause echo in the room or, you know, the, the, and it can get worse from there. So that's just one example. Um, so yeah, I mean, just make sure you're controlling, controlling things in the right spots. Obviously the, the, uh, the DSP uh, programmer should obviously uh, only give them uh, access to those via, via the communication uh, there. But yeah, that's, that's probably what I would tell them. Sort of like visiting a national park, right? Take take nothing but photos. 
That's leave right. nothing. Leave nothing but footprints. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. I, like <laughs> I might have to steal that one. There you go. Well, <laughs> it's sort of like you know, it comes back to the instance tags versus the IDs. You know, if you don't want your programmer to touch it, just no tag, no taggy, yeah. no touchy. That's the <laughs> Man, I'm writing these down. Taggy, no touchy. I might get a little, might get a little flack for that one though. That's how. <laughs> Sounds like I'm talking to my to my son or something. Who's too? Yeah, there you go. Well, you know, sometimes you need to talk to your coworkers like they're too. So. <laughs> uh, no comment. No, no comment. Yes, I I have a four year old. Sometimes she's at home with me. Uh, I, <laughs> I like to, she's my I like to call her my assistant. So so I I would I would actually say no tagging and touching, and then she would go she would go what's a game structure? Yeah, what's a DSP? Yes. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, just metering too. Um, I mean, <clears throat> you know, that's a, that's another common thing that people, uh, you know, make sure they're pulling the meter or putting enough metering in their files and make sure they're pulling the metering um, uh, into the into the uh, system, the control system from proper places as well. So that, that's another thing we often run into where files are put together, uh, and it's hard to troubleshoot uh, when in site because there's just there's there's no. Uh, Level levels in there. I'm sorry, uh, meters in there. So um, that's another thing we run into pretty often. I would I would put it I would put a a uh, a plug in here for training. I know I know Jake, you're very involved with Infocom um, training, and I, I have myself have been through some biomp training, and and I find that even if I'm not going to be writing uh, the DSP file, it's good to go through the manufacturer's training and find out why they do the things they do, how they do the things they do. So I, I won't name all the names, but I have, I do have some certifications from a few different DSP makers. And, uh, and I was always very proud of myself when I could say to the audio engineer, Hey, I think you meant to do this here. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but I, I just, you know, education is so key for so much of what we do and understanding how the whole system works, especially for, for a control systems programmer. You, you, you may find that you're sort of like the high level support because you have to see how the whole system fits together. So if you are able to, to actually open a DSP file and understand what it means, um, I, I, I think that, that it's useful for all of us to understand how they work, even if maybe we're not so good with the game structure. Yep. Yeah. I mean, agnostic to any manufacturer, there, there are certain um, entry level things that any control system programmer should know about audio again, game structure, um, you know, a handful of things that have probably uh, come to mind. But, um, <clears throat> but yeah, certainly they need to be cognizant of, of uh, you know, some minor audio things, but they don't need to go, be able to go in and, and you know, Tune, tune the system for the room or, you know, be able to you know, go push pink noise and start making adjustments in EQ or any of that stuff. Um, you know, that's, that's what the audio guy is for. But just to be, just to be cognizant of, um, you know, where things fall on the map of the DSP world, so to speak. So, and, and again, uh, there's plenty, plenty of information on the web. I mean, uh, you know, between us and, you know, all of our cohorts in the audio world, I mean, you, there's enough information to soak up on the web, let alone, you know, in-person trainings or uh, online training stuff. So, yeah, go get the knowledge. If you, uh, if you need the audio chops, um, there's plenty of baseline information out there. Yeah, and, and uh, I think pretty much all the major DSP manufacturers have an online training. You can take it at your own pace, and it'll just give you the 
the basic idea. And, and, and I should state for the record that I am not tuning a room. We are a small company, but what I'm doing is I'm getting stuff set up to control it. And then my coworkers actually make it sound nicer. Tune the system, <laughs> not the room. Okay. See, there you go. <laughs> no, I say it all the time and I have to, I have to correct myself. Tune the room. I just, tuning system. I just program in some baffling for the ceiling and then I, pro <laughs> I program in, um, you know, a different, a different ceiling because everybody wants those industrial, like open everything metal and they sound terrible. <laughs> so uh, we, so just, glass, we just glass walls. So there's uh, always glass walls nowadays. I don't know what that is, but okay. We just fix it and post. It's kind of like every architect in the world got together and they said, how can we make a conference system sound as terrible as possible? Let's make that a design trend. So we'll have an open ceiling, a concrete floor, a glass wall, and I don't know, can we get some like, like, like beehives in the corner maybe for a little extra buzzing or something? <laughs> <laughs> Let's put the HVAC, you know, right over the, the conference room table where everybody's going to, you know, we're going to need to mic everybody, right? Yeah, yeah it never fails. <clears throat> we actually um, we actually started a, uh, an AIA um, program to go out and, and teach architects about designing, again, for the environment after the technology is deployed. So to keep that in mind when, when they're thinking about this beautiful building, that's great, but once you get an audio system in there, you know, the room is useless, right? So we started trying to educate the, uh, the architect side too, just to not, again, not a deep dive in technology, just, just to think, keep it in mind, keep us in mind. We're usually the last thing that's thought of and the first thing that's pulled out of a project, right? The AV guys. Um, so, so there's, uh, you know, we're, we're trying, we're fighting the good fight out there. There you go. Together we can, together we can change the design trends and turn them around. That's what right. do you, what, what would you like to see everybody start making their ceilings out of? Um, acoustical panels? No. Acoustical <laughs> um, panels. <laughs> um, no, I mean, drop ceilings are perfectly fine. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, so yeah, certainly not the old um, you know, lab and plaster, that spline stuff. We, you know, we've all seen the spline ceiling that there's probably asbestos above, and you're just like, oh, God, i got to cut into that, or i got to get up above that. Um, yeah, I mean, drop ceiling's fine. Um, oh, sounds fine. Most, most, most of what we do, um, you know, conferencing is, is usually corporate America where that's, that's the norm anyway. But again, you know, you, you run into the occasional, you know, drywall ceiling or, you know, some crazy metal thing that looks cool, but it's a, a nightmare to work with. But, a lot of startups out there with tin ceilings. Yeah, the, well, you said the open floor thing is a big thing too now. Uh, the open yeah. plan, you know, the open ceiling, even where you can see all the duct work and all the wires and everything. Yeah, yeah. we're we're just gonna have to like stand outside a bunch of architectural conferences and start rumors that painted drop ceilings are like the new hot trend for 2017. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, not me. I'm not gonna do that. But. I'm a trendsetter. I'm going to do it for you, Jake. <laughs> Thank I'm going to so do you. A, I'm going to do you a solid. Yeah, I love solids. Yes. Somebody else uses the word solid. I love it. <laughs> but it won't be a solid ceiling. But it won't. Oh, oh, that was terrible. <laughs> All right. Um, so, so Jake, you are technically in sales. Yep. Technical sales. So, any, 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 any products that you would like to to let our listeners know about. I would be remiss if I didn't let you do that. Oh, the old product placement. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> we had a big announcement at Infocom with our Tessera Lux stuff. Uh, it's our, our video portion of the Tessera family. 
So that's uh, coming down the um, down the pike here in a couple months, and we're also out talking about DevVR, a little huddle space uh, BYOD you know, UC product as well. So meant for small collaboration spaces. So, so yeah, um, I mean, certainly I could I, since I am in sales, it's a four-letter word. <laughs> um, I could certainly blab you know, blather on for hours about that stuff. But um, anyway, people know where to find me. So buyamp.com that's right yeah exactly <laughs> sales is a five letter word jay yeah <laughs> i am but a whole, i am but a humble programmer but i know I yeah i'm surprised your eyes didn't roll out of your head with when, when uh, you know sales oh boy here we go <laughs> that's okay whenever a customer asks me like how do i fix this thing apparently i give them a system that's wildly expensive they're like you know that'll cost fifty thousand dollars right and i'm like i don't know I'm just a programmer <laughs> we all need sales people to bring us down to earth yeah, yeah, it's it's good. We uh, we're the we're the faces out there. That's for sure. That's a scary proposition if you've ever seen my mug. So, Jake is being humble. Oh, please. <laughs> On that note, I we should probably wrap it up. Um, I was gonna let Corey talk tonight because Chris isn't here. But why why break the streak? So Corey Moss is our producer, and we've given him a lot of work to do this week. But we're not gonna let him say anything. So, so uh, <laughs> we we can see his video. He's he's just saying, yeah. For those of you who know Corey, you know that this is pretty much my greatest achievement as a human being is to to keep him on silent for this streak. <laughs> um. Anyways, <laughs> we ask a silly question every week or every month. Um. And and normally it has to do with programming, but but you're a you're an audio guy, so so let's bring it back to the rack, which is where all of our equipment lives. Hopefully, happily coexisting with the each common, other. Yeah, as I said, the common home. The common home. Hopefully not. Hopefully not uh, dumping BTUs on each other because yeah. we racked it properly. What <laughs> I so so when things go real sideways, Jake, I hear they send you on site. That has happened a time or two. Um, yeah. Luckily, not so much. It hasn't happened in a while, but yeah. We get the occasional uh, on-site assistance. So. Yeah. So, what is the ter what is the most terrifying sight that you have ever seen after walking into a room where your poor equipment has been racked and is now being abused? Uh, yeah, I guess outside of the normal spaghetti that we all uh, run into. Um, back to the integration days, I was doing uh, a site uh, site survey for a pig farm which I opened the rack and to my dismay, there was stuff that um, sludge, sludgy type stuff in the bottom of the rack. I don't, I don't wanna, uh, I, have a, I have a guess that it was some sort of pig feces. But I, can't, I did not verify that in order to keep the rack door open long enough to, to even want to try to verify that. So that was a little alarming. Needless to say, I purposely did not win that project. Uh, so didn't have to take that contract. But yeah, that was that was probably the worst thing I've seen in Iraq. Um, oh, paging system. So ooh. that is terrifying. Yes. Um, what did the pigs need an AV system for? Were they going to be conferencing with the chickens? Oh, I, <laughs> Um, actually, they were, they play, well, they used it for paging, but I think they also played background music. So these are sort of like the, um, 
you know, like it's kind of like the Japanese cattle, right? Where they massage them and play music for them. I think these were like high end pigs. Again, I didn't stick around long enough to find out what was going on there, but um, I, I know they were using it for pigging for sure. So, you know, suey, so that sort of stuff. That is, that is absolutely terrifying. I just showed my Midwestern roots. God, that was embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I have never found, no, actually, I was about to say I have never found feces in Iraq, but that is not the case because when I still worked at a university, I found mouse droppings in one of our podiums. I mean, they're warm. They have that nice soothing hum. I, I would imagine that it would be a nice little home for a mouse. <laughs> So I have found I have found droppings in Iraq. That was I I closed that door, I walked away, and then I yeah I screamed a little. I didn't scream. No, at the pig farm, the whole thing smells like feces. So it's not like I could really identify that that would yeah. be. So it's, yeah. It's not like yeah. It's not like that was an outlier. Um, <laughs> I. I have I have never found anything as terrifying as pig feces. My, my feces are just I mean you live in the city you know what they look like it's not that big a deal. Yeah. Um, but I I working in lighting I have had a few electricians kick me out of the closet while they while they powered their system up. I kind of want to be like you. Should I be worried? <laughs> <laughs> Do you not have confidence in your wiring? Why 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 must I leave while you powered up? And I have had some people. You know, releasing the magic smoke is a lot less terrifying um, when there's no high voltage involved. Yeah, absolutely. That when you, I, don't when think you, I don't think I've seen the, on system power-up, I don't think I've had the black puppy smoke happen in my career, to be honest with you. Um, I've seen things after they failed, obviously, in, in a, um, a scorched state, but I don't think I've ever seen it actually happen. Oh, I have. Hmm. I I may or may not have once set a conference room on fire. Oh, let's, let's delve into that. I've had another hour. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was an amp. It was going bad. I meant to unplug the input, and I accidentally unplugged the output because it was spaghetti in the back. And Ooh. with no load on an amp going bad, there were actual sparks. There was a little bit of smoke. I went... and then my second grade training of what to do in case of an electrical fire kicked in and I unplugged it and it all went away and if I can find a picture I will have them put it on the blog post because it was pretty impressive that's awesome by the way it was my first week at that job and for three years they never let me forget that I said I thought you were gonna say and my last week no I worked there for like years Apparently, apparently, you can set a rack on fire once. You, you get a freebie. You get a freebie. In my def- in my in my defense, it was a bad amp. I, I would I would say that most equipment should not catch on fire when you unplug something from it. I would say that that would probably be the bare minimum that most equipment should meet. So I thought when you were you were going to say when you unplugged it, you you presented a dead short across you know the output terminals or something somehow somewhere you know. And then it poofed, no, okay. no, I just unplugged the load from the app, which you're not supposed to do when it's on, but you know, fault tolerance. Yeah. So yeah, that was it. I'll see if I can find a picture. It was a while ago. I haven't set a conference room on fire in years. <laughs> they, brought, they brought security in. They took the, the rack and they stuck it out in the hallway. It was a big deal. So there's, there's my, my programming's flame, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's why I like being a programmer because no matter how badly I program a system, it's pretty unlikely to catch on fire. <laughs> so, well, thank you so much for joining us, Jake. Yeah. For those of you who don't remember things so good, our pro tips are instance tags, no touchy without permission from the DSP programmer, make sure that you spell everything right, and always be nice to your DSP programmer. Game structure, game structure, game structure. That's right, game structure. Okay. Don't fix it in post. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, I'd like to thank Jake for joining us this month. Uh, sorry Chris couldn't be here, but he'll be back next month. Thank you, Corey, for your silence. <laughs> Always appreciated. Always, Always appreciated. <laughs> I am Hope Roth, and you have been listening to The Floating Point on Rave Pubs Radio.